I want you to open your Bible with me in uh, Isaiah 52. Isaiah 52. We're going to look at uh, two verses. I want to share something with you that the Lord has just uh, put on my heart. I've been uh, in a season, John and I are both in a season of fasting. can't remember how long it's been now. Probably a couple of weeks or something like that. You just lose track after a while. But uh, we just have the sense that it's a new season. New season in our lives, new season in the church. When it's like that, you have to stir yourself up. You have to get near to God. So you're listening to God. And uh, the Lord has been downloading a number of things to me. He uh, spoke to me uh, just over a whole number of areas recently. And uh, he spoke to me on one thing particularly. And I want to read the scripture here and then share what he showed me. It says, awake, awake. Put on your strength, O Zion. Put on your beautiful garments, O Jerusalem, the holy city. For the uncircumcised and unclean shall come no longer to you. Shake yourself from the dust. Rise up. Sit down, O Jerusalem. Loose yourself from the bonds of your neck, O captive daughter of Zion. God is speaking through the prophet and telling the church of the day, wake up, wake up, wake up to what's happening. Wake up spiritually. Wake up on the inside. Wake up and then begin to arise back to become the people of God. Shake off the things that have held you down. Arise and begin to take your rightful role and positioning. God speaking strongly to a church which was in a place of defeat to awaken the church. I recently received an article showing how the Islamic faith was spreading like wildfire through the world and how it's emerging in Europe all over the place. The call for the church was, wake up, wake up. Don't you see what is going on all around you? And so God spoke to me, not directly through this verse. He spoke to me this. He spoke a personal word around a whole lot of other things, speaking to me and to the church. He wrote like this. He said, awake, awake from the slumber of Jezebel. Put on your strength, O Zion. I thought, oh, I know that verse. That doesn't sound like the way I read it. And I remember that many times Jesus and the apostles quoted verses, and then they would alter them a bit to actually just expand what was going on or to give additional insight. And I thought, the slumber of Jezebel. I never heard of such a term, never read it anywhere. I got my concordance out, looked up, couldn't find it anywhere. I said, well, I don't know about that. Um, you know, where can I find it in the Word? And uh, so I began to think, and I began to pray about it. Then the Lord, I thought, I'll go look at it. And I began to look, and then the Lord just began to open up just uh, story after story, illustration after illustration. And uh, I'm going to break this message into two parts. I'll do one part this day, and then another part after next weekend. And uh, I encourage us uh, to just be open to what God wants to say, particularly if it relates to you. And uh, so in this verse, he's saying, awake, 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 awake church, rise up. And I believe it's a word to the church in our own nation. It's a word to us as a people. It's time to awaken and to arise with much greater strength in God, strength in prayer. And uh, I want to just open up just what this term slumber of Jezebel is. I'm going to show you some Bible examples. And I don't want you to get hung up on what you may know about that particular demonic power. Just be open to what I feel the Lord's unraveling to me. First of all, have a look in 1 Kings chapter 16. If you look in 1 Kings chapter 16, the word awaken means to open your eyes, wake up out of sleep, rise into your proper place of operation. So when the Bible is talking about awakening, it's referring to a sleepy condition where people are not operating nor functioning as they ought to. Now, if we go into the Old Testament, 1 Kings chapter 16, you'll find 
the first reference to this uh, person called Jezebel. And I don't want you just to label any woman or anything like that. I want you to think in terms of spirit powers, unseen spirit powers that operate in the spirit world. And notice here it says, Now Ahab, verse 30, the son of Omri, did more evil in the sight of the Lord than all the kings that came before him. And it, and it came to pass, as though it had been a trivial thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nabat, he took as a wife Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbaal, king of the Sidonians, and he went and, went and served Baal and worshipped him. Then he set up an altar for Baal in the temple of Baal, which was built in Samaria. And he made a wooden image. And Ahab did provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger more than the kings of Israel that came before him. So this is the first mention of this name, Jezebel. And the name means literally, if you look at the roots of it, means Baal or Baal exalts. It means one that has the favor of Baal upon her. It means one who is with uh, unhusbanded or operates independently. That's the meaning of the name. Now, what happened was the nation of Israel got into an alliance with another nation, the Sidonians, and they came into alliance by marriage. And the king of Israel, who should have stood up and led the nation of Israel to walk with God, trusted God for prosperity, instead he entered into an unholy or ungodly alliance. He married this woman Jezebel and immediately opened his life to the influence of the spirit power behind her. Her uh, father uh, was a priest of Baal, and so she introduced the worship of Baal and Ashtoreth, and I'll expand a bit about that, perhaps another session. But Baal means literally husband or Lord. So if you said the word Lord, it's the word Baal. Baal means Lord, means the husband, it means uh, one who provides. And so Baal, Baal worship was a problem right through the Bible. Baal was a god of war. Baal was a god of fertility. So whenever you see the god Baal, there was an introduction of violence, of uh, war, of the slaying of innocent children, of sexual promiscuity, temple worship, temple prostitution. All of those things lay behind that spirit of Baal. So wherever Baal was worshipped or lifted up, the nation became corrupted with a spirit of idolatry and a spiritual heaviness settled over the nation. And so Jezebel was the daughter, and she introduced worship of Baal, worship of Ashtoreth into the nation. And instead of the nation having an open spiritual heaven, miraculous provision, miracles of God, there was a brass heaven over the nation, no prophetic flow. Jezebel set out to destroy all messengers of the Lord. So she came against the prophets. She destroyed prophets wherever she could find them and raised up instead her own prophetic messengers. They brought a message which they called prophecy, but it was actually speaking words that were demonically empowered and seduced the nation. The nation came under, literally fell asleep spiritually. In the New Testament, the name Jezebel turns up in Revelations chapter 2 and verse 21. Another era in history, another generation, another people, a different person, but the same spirit. And it talks in there about that spirit uh, operating prophetically within the church, seducing, causing an influence that drew people away from God and drew them into sexual sin and all kinds of independence of God. So God has spoken in the Old Testament and the New Testament, same spirit power, the same kind of operation, literally to lead people astray so they don't walk in the destiny that God had for them. They're not 
They don't fulfill the plan God had for them. And so that's that spirit power operating to cause the people of God to be drawn from what they should be doing. And uh, the Bible is very clear. It tells us that there are spiritual powers. In Ephesians, it tells us in Ephesians 6 and verse 12 that there is an invisible spirit world in which spiritual powers operate. I think anyone who's got any sense or sensitivity recognizes spiritual atmospheres when you go to different places. Some place very heavy, very oppressed. Some place very heavy, very cold. Some places you can literally feel the corruption there. There is a resident atmosphere or spiritual power operating. But they don't just operate from the spirit realm. They find expression through the lives of people. So when you look at the woman Jezebel, there was an invisible spiritual power, but it found an expression through a person who had yielded to that. So in 2 Corinthians 10.4, it tells us that there are strongholds. Strongholds are positions in our life that allow demonic powers to influence how we think, how we behave, how we act, even how we view life. They gain access if your life is broken and damaged. That's why people need deliverance. Why do you need deliverance? Get your life cleaned up of demonic influence. Why do you need restoration and healing? To close the doors in your heart and soul so they don't operate anymore. So spiritual powers gain their influence by seducing people to believe a lie and begin to yield to them. In the nation at this time, in this particular nation, there was like a spiritual heaviness, a lack of the flow of the prophetic, a lack of the miraculous, a lack of the supernatural, and a spiritual power was resident operating in the nation through people. And God hates that spirit operating. He hates it because it destroys the identity of His people. It destroys who the people of God are. It shuts down the church from being supernatural. It comes as a heaviness, oppression that causes loss of destiny, loss of purpose, and loss of identity, and loss of strength. Now, I want to show you three portions of the Bible, three distinct separate situations where the Spirit gained access to a man of God or a group of people, and it shut them down from operating supernaturally and began to draw them away from what God had called them to do. And I want you to learn from it. In each of these situations, the same thing happened. In each of these situations, there was a different doorway of entry. In each of these situations, God intervened to help that person step back up into the place, identity, positioning that God wanted them to flow in. What a wonderful thing. It may be as we read this, you discover, I have opened my life, I've opened my inner man, and I've allowed control to operate around my life and shut down the anointing, shut down the flow of the Spirit of God. In that case, I got good news. God gets you out of it if you respond to Him. Let's just have a look at the first one. We'll find the, uh, oh, I didn't finish explaining what I meant by the slumber of Jezebel. Let me explain it. So Jezebel was a person who introduced a spiritual power into a nation. The word slumber means something like this. It means to be dormant, to be in a state of inactivity or passive. When you're slumbering, you're sleeping, you're unaware what's happening around you, you're not doing anything. So a spiritual slumber means spiritually you're just unaware. You haven't got a clue what spiritual influences are operating. It means you can't see what's happening. You can't hear what is going on. 
you can't understand. You're living in a state of confusion and lack of awareness of the spiritual powers afflicting your situation. Because you're unaware of it, you can't do anything about it. It's like what I'd call living in a trance. You think you're living life, but actually this stuff has shut you down and you don't even know it. You're not operating like you ought to operate. So ultimately it leads to a loss of hope and destiny. So uh, the slumber, spirit of slumber is a spiritual force. So the slumber of Jezebel is simply a spiritual power of witchcraft operating that causes you to become unaware of spiritual operations, to shut down prophetically, shut down on the flow of the Holy Ghost, and not see what God is doing or hear what God is doing. You actually shut down. You're no longer standing where God wanted you to stand, functioning like God wanted you to function. You no longer have strength. You become quite weak. Now let's have a look at the condition across our nation, across much of the Western world. Churches like that. It's like the church is slumbering. It's like something put everyone to sleep. And you, you sort of feel the apathy and the indifference and passivity and, and the, the shutdownness. I find it over groups of pastors when I go to talk with them. About uh, a decade ago, about 12 or 13 years ago, God spoke to me to go through the nation speaking about the spiritual power. And so we arranged meetings in about six different cities. And we called men together. And we had, you know, something like three, four, five hundred men in different cities in the nation. And one of the things I did was expose this power and how it operates and get men to stand up, begin to pray strongly, begin to throw that heavy thing off their lives, begin to arise back into their position. Oh, we had some deliverance. My goodness, we had deliverance like you can hardly believe. There wasn't a single time where there wasn't an outpouring of deliverance and then a fresh releasing of anointing. Last city we're going to go into was Auckland. And the year that we were going to go into Auckland, there was a parade in that city. Now, our conference was called Heroes of the Nation. You've already got the message. The year we planned to go into Auckland, there was a gay or homosexual parade called Hero Parade. And after that, it was in the, like it was in the news, it was everywhere. You just could not run a conference called Heroes of the Nation. You couldn't run it. It's literally shut us down just like that. Just, the, just taking and stealing what we were wanting to do. Isn't that interesting? I've come into the Spirit before. Anyway, I feel God saying, stir up again. It's time to rise up. So let's have a look there. And we see there in uh, Judges, uh, we've seen there in 1 Kings chapter 16, we saw how that thing. Now I want you to go with me to Judges. And I want you to show you three stories of people who come under the influence of that Spirit. Here's number one, Judges. Judges chapter 16. You know the story. This man here, a mighty deliverer. This man here, born supernaturally by the Spirit and power of God. Judges 16, we find this man in a very bad position. It says, verse 19, Delilah lulled him to sleep on her knees. Notice he fell asleep. Then she called for a man and had him shave off the seven locks of his head. She began to torment him. And notice this, his strength left him. She said, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. And he woke from his sleep. I'll go out before us at other times. I will shake myself free. But he did not know the Lord had departed from him. So the Philistines took him, put out his eyes, brought him down to Gaza, bound him in bronze fetters, and became a grinder in the prison. He became a grinder in the prison. What happened to Samson? Samson forgot his identity. He was born to be a deliverer in the nation. 
He was called of God supernaturally to be a deliverer, to arise as one who would bring deliverance to the nation from the Philistines. His purpose was to break the yoke of the Philistines, to deliver the nation from that wicked bondage, that evil spirit power. And yet here it was, he opened his soul to the demonic power of Jezebel or that spirit, that witchcraft spirit. He opened his soul through finding comfort in the arms of Delilah. Means the one who empties you out, the one who creates emptiness in your life. He exposed his soul. He he was drawn into sexual sin. He found comfort apart from the living God. And as he found comfort in her arms, he progressively opened himself to her influence. What he didn't realize, in verse 9 it says, there were men lying in wait, staying in her room. What he didn't realize is the five lords of the Philistines, the demonic power that had ruled the nation, had bribed her and were waiting there. And they were using her to draw him away from his calling, from his identity, from what God called him to do. And she drew him into sin. And when he fell into sin, he fell asleep. And then his strength left him. He was spiritually unaware of the danger in his life that is sin presented to him. And so very soon, he lost his crown of dominion. He lost his anointing and strength to rule. He lost his power to destroy the enemy's yokes and instead ended up in slavery. He lost his vision. He lost his destiny. He lost his hope. He lost his freedom. He ended up enslaved. That is what that spirit power does to people. When that spirit of witchcraft operates unchecked. It takes away vision. It takes away your hope. It takes away your destiny. Takes away your identity. Takes away any kind of strength that God would give you. And you end up in bondage instead of living the life God called you to live. Believe me, if you want to fulfill the destiny God has for you, you will have to rise against that spirit and not let that spirit have access to your life, shut down the anointing, control how you think, and steal the dreams. doesn't just steal your dreams. We'll find if we can look into some other sections of the Bible another time. It steals your inheritance, and then it steals the legacy of the next generation. You cannot compromise with that spirit power. There is a war that must be engaged in if any person is going to win over that. When control powers come against you, the goal is to control. The end, it's a fight for your freedom. You have to recognize it. It's not people, although it operates in and around people, can even operate in your own life. It is a spirit power, and so it requires spiritual weapons. Recognize the enemy and how it comes. In this case, it entered the door of his soul through sexual sin. But here's the, here's the very, very positive news, that when Samson repented, I guess when he found himself in that low place, he did the one thing that will get you out of that hole. If that thing's got a grip around you, there's one thing you need to do, and that is turn to God. Turn to the living God who's gracious and merciful. He turned and he said, Oh God, remember me and restore my strength. And he felt the power of God come around him again. His life began to change. The Bible says in his last day, he took down more than he'd taken in all his life. 
Your last days can be better than anything that went before if you can connect with the living God and a strength gets into your life. Oh, Holy Ghost. Come into 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings 19. And we find here it's another prophet, another mighty man of God. Here's the wonderful thing about, about Samson. In the New Testament, there's no record of his failure. There's just a record. He was a mighty man of faith. And we may fail and fall over, but God wipes away the record when we repent and just says, mighty man of faith, mighty woman of faith. You broke out of it and finally ended well. Isn't that great? Okay, 1 Kings 19, 1 to 5. And Ahab told Jezebel all Elijah had done and how Elijah had executed all the prophets with a sword. Oh, I wish I could have seen all of that. My mind imagines that sometime there's a ruling power in the nation. All hope seems to be gone, but there's some people there who are crying out to God. Some people who are in prayer and intimacy. And finally, Elijah emerges out of the darkness, out of obscurity. And there he is, and he shuts up the heaven and then hides for three years. And when they're getting desperate, he comes out, says to the prophets of Baal, come on out, let's see what you guys have got. They set up an altar, and he sets up an altar. He says, well, let's see which God is the real God and call fire from heaven. And so they have this challenge. At the end of the day, he calls fire down from heaven. What a glorious thing to say. Then he rises up, and with the sword he slays 450 prophets of Baal. Oh, that's, that's men of God. huh? Men of God. Oh, men of God using the sword of the Spirit to destroy spirit powers, tear down ungodly beliefs, and bring the truth to the nation. What a great day he went home that night. But look what happens the next day. Well, then he brings rain. In fact, he's had a wonderful time. Then Ahab told Jezebel, and Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah. Now, it doesn't really tell us exactly what that was, but it says he saw it. Now, normally if someone sends a message, they tell you something, you hear it. This one says he saw it. So undoubtedly, someone was sent him, but I believe demonic powers and cursings were sent against him. When people curse you, they release spirits against you. When they falsely accuse you, they release spirits against you. And she still had 450 prophets of her own who ate at her own table and did what she said. So she sent a messenger, and I believe she sent a demonic spirit a spirit of hate, a spirit of murder, a spirit of death to destroy the voice of God in the generation, to shut down the only thing that could threaten her kingdom. And so she sent the messenger. Now here's the problem. He opened his heart to that message. He got wounded. He received that message of fear. He allowed it to get in his heart. I believe it was a demonic messenger, and so he felt his heart gripped by fear and panic. His mind froze, and instead of doing this, he forgot he's the man of God who called fire from heaven. He forgot he's God's man to save the nation. He forgot what he was called to do. His strength sapped out of him as he came under attack of that spirit. Some of you may have had a similar kind of thing come, sits around and over you, and you feel shut down with fear, and you can't function, you can't even think clearly. This is what happened to him, and so when he saw it, he ran for his life, left his servant, he ran to Bathsheba, which is, he ran right clear out of the nation. 
I'm getting out of here. He panicked. He, then finally it says, he sat down under a broom tree and he prayed he might die. He said, that's enough, Lord, take my life. I'm no better than my father's. Then he lay and he slept. There's another one. Now notice what has happened here. The big picture. He stood up against that power and it retaliated. Good to notice that. When you stand up, it pushes back on you. I talked to one man, I was talking to him how to stand up in the spiritual governance and prayer in his home, and he stood up. I came in a week later and said, hey, getting on. He said, oh, I, I've stopped. He, I said, why is that? He said, well, it didn't work. He said, oh, really? It didn't work, eh? Okay, well, what happened? He said, well, it got worse. Everything got far worse when I started to pray, so I stopped praying. He said, everything got worse because you're storing up, stirring up resident spirits that are controlling what is happening. Keep up the prayer. Get ready to engage the people. Okay, so what happened? You notice what happened as attacks come against him, fear, he's listened to words of accusation, murder, and death. They get into his heart and shut him down. He comes under the control, filled with fear, and he runs. Notice he forgot who he was, forgot his calling, his strength left him, and he fled from his position God had assigned him in the nation. He ran, he got isolated, then he sat down with discouragement, loss of perspective. This is all what happens when the Spirit comes around you. Fear, you withdraw, shut down, want to isolate, want to be on your own, feel hurt, feel discouraged, want to sit down. Interesting, the tree he sat down under, I don't know where they got the name of the tree here. Juniper tree means to bind or put under a yoke. How about that? Quite significant. So he's sitting there, and what's he doing? The mighty man of God who's got a move of God going is now sitting under a tree, shut down, wanting to die, and he's sleeping. A spirit power had shut him down. I love the way God, it doesn't finish there, fortunately, so he lost his courage in the face of that attack. But his strength returned when God touched him supernaturally. The angel came and touched him. The angel spoke a word to him, gave him nourishment. When we get the touch of God again around our life, when we get the word of God prophetically flowing into our heart, and Bible says he got up and he ran for 40 days and 40 nights. That's pretty good, isn't it? He's still hiding, no head in the cave until God spoke to him. Elijah, what are you doing here? You're a man of God. You're a man called to change a nation. Why are you in the cave? Leave me alone. <laughs> He's shut down by that power, and God speaks to him, calls him out, and in a gentle voice encourages him and sends him back. And he says, anoint this man and anoint that man and release them and they're going to tear that wicked spirit power down. What a shame that Elijah didn't do that. But he did impart to a next generation and they did it. They finished what he couldn't finish. God's wanting a generation. And you'll find the man that he raised up, I won't talk about him today, was a man by the name of Jehu. And Jehu finished the job had an apostolic, militant, governing, confronting spirit around his life. And he shut that thing down in the nation. It's a great thing to go and have a look at it. I want you to have a look at another one with me. I want you to look with me in Luke 22. And uh, here's the third situation I want to draw your attention to. 
Here's the wonderful thing, that even if that spirit is entered in through compromise, lukewarmness, sexual sin, false comforts or whatever, when we repent, God restores us and wipes away the record. If we may have drawn back in fear, may have drawn back and felt pressured and overwhelmed and isolated and alone, but when God touches our life and speaks, our spirit comes again. Now look at this one here, Luke 22. Here it is. And this is, these are the apostles, the mighty men of God, called to change a nation. Come, follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. Lord, we're with you right till the end. That sounds good, doesn't it? Eh? But look what happens when pressure comes on. Luke 22. Look what happens. Said, verse 40. Jesus came to the place. That's Gethsemane. He said to them, pray that you enter not to temptation. This is where we're going to. Prayer. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone throw. He knelt down and prayed and said, Father, if it's your will, take this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he, he prayed more earnestly. Sweat became like great drops of blood falling to the ground. Then he rose from prayer. He came to his disciples and he found them sleeping for sorrow. And said, why do you sleep? Rise, pray lest you enter temptation. That is what is happening now. These are the mighty men of God, apostles of the Lamb, called to change the world, called to be history makers, called to make a difference. They'd flowed in the giftings of the Spirit. They'd seen miracles and healings. They'd boldly declared, Lord, we're with you. And now Jesus faces his greatest hour of spiritual pressure and attack. It's the threat of imminent death. And we know it had to be a spiritual conflict because it says that he prayed earnestly, being in agony. There was a tremendous turmoil as all the powers of hell unleashed on him in the garden. He was under immense spiritual pressure. And he stood and prayed. And the pressure was to control him. The pressure was to shut him down. The pressure was to knock him out. The pressure was to get him off course. And he prayed, Father, not my will. Father, let your will be done. That's what he was wrestling for. Why was he wrestling for that? Why is that so significant? Because witchcraft attempts to impose a different will. Witchcraft attempts to impose a different governance. Witchcraft tends to impose its own kingdom. Witchcraft tries to shut down the will of God and impose another will upon you so you feel rejected, shut down, and don't you feel in despair. But Jesus wrestled against that pressure. How did he do it? In prayer. I'll show you in another session what you have to do to stand against that demonic power and ensure you come out the other side on top. And he prayed. Now, I want you to notice what the disciples did. The disciples forgot who they were. They forgot their commitment to the Lord. They forgot their bold statements, they'd be with them to death. They forgot their destiny, forgot the purpose. Under the face of that spirit, they lost all strength and they fell asleep. It's no coincidence that in three cases in the Bible, mighty men of God fell asleep. That's what that slumber is. It's actually a sleepy, lethargic, passive state created by yielding 
to a spiritual power you can't see. Until the church becomes passive, half-hearted, lukewarm. Instead of having the fiery presence and power of God, spirit that's alive, hearing from God. So they shut down. They went to sleep. What was the doorway into their heart? Well, the Bible tells us that too. It says sorrow, emotional pain, hurt. So we've seen now at least three doorways the Spirit uses to get access to people's life. False comforts, turning to things which are not of God, turning to addictive things, turning to things which comfort you, turning to sexual sin, turning to all kinds of things that provide a comfort apart from the comfort God provides. We saw fear, listening to the wrong words and letting them get into your heart and allowing fear to arise and not conquering it allowed this control to come. Whatever you're afraid of will control you. And finally, sorrows, hurts that have never been fixed, areas of the soul, bitterness, griefs, disappointments, setbacks that were never addressed properly. Demons come into there and use them as an open door, and then they shut you down when at the very point of time you should be standing strong in prayer. What an amazing thing. And Jesus' words tell it all. He said, rise, pray. Arise, pray. Arise, pray. Arise, 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 O daughter of Zion. Put on your beautiful garments, O daughter of Jerusalem. Shake the dust off you. Arise, sit down in the realm of the Spirit. Break off your captivity. Become the mighty people of God. Here's the thing that rose them out of their sleep. Jesus touched them, spoke to them. Rise up and pray. You'll find every time that people fell asleep under the influence of a spiritual power. It was a prophetic word from God. It was a call to change, repent, step up, re-engage. Sure enough, on the day of Pentecost, we find the disciples there. Jesus said, Peter, I've prayed for you. Your faith won't fail. I've been praying for you. I've been praying for you. Your faith won't let go. That whatever you go through, you won't fail in your faith. You'll still believe. Peter failed massively. He wept over his failure, but Jesus was praying that his faith wouldn't fail. Just like he's praying right now, your faith won't fail when you're under pressure, when we're under pressure. He's our intercessor. He's the apostle of our faith. He's praying that our faith won't fail. He's praying we'll stand up. He's praying for us. He's praying. A few days later, 50 days later, those same men that had been asleep and fled spent 10 days in intense prayer and the mighty power of God was on them and they broke out, began to change nations and become history makers. Whoa! They had to break through in the very same city that thing shut them down and got them to sleep. Elijah had to go back to the very same spirit that had shut him down. Raise up people to confront him. Samson stood up again. Here's a very simple case. Just repentance. Leaning on God. 
than rising up into strong prayer. I'll share with you other things related to this. I've got such an immense amount of down download on it right now. I'll share the other half of this message because there's another, at least another three very, very vital situations I want to draw your attention to which give keys how this thing has been beaten. And two of them are in the New Testament church. New Testament church. That, that power comes to shut it down. And it comes under it. But God shows them how to get out of it. It's in the Old Testament. When we look in the story of Jehu, go reading about Jehu. Find what he did. Look for the keys. Look beyond the story to the spiritual insights of how he dealt that thing. And you'll see how we can deal with it too. God's calling us to arise. Let's just stand right now. Just stand and just lift our hands to worship the Lord. Lift our hands to the Lord. Wonderful. Now maybe already as I've prayed and as I've been preaching, perhaps you've felt, whoa, whoa, I'm like Samson. I've gone to sleep. I never had much strength and what I had has gone. I don't want to be like that. I want to finish well. I don't want to finish weak. I want to finish well. Is that in your heart? Is there compromise sin? Just repent of it quickly right now. What, what's been filling your time? What's been filling your heart? What have you been using to just fill yourself up? It can be all kinds of things that comfort you and make you feel better. But at the end, it's all the same. We become asleep and don't realize demons have come into our life. And then they ruin us. They ruin our legacy. They ruin our lives. I've seen it over the years. Never quite understood why it happened. It's a spirit power. Stand up. Just come back to the Lord. Why don't you say like Samson, Oh, Lord, remember me. Remember me! Remember me. God remembered him. Well, like Elijah, you go back and face that situation. Perhaps you've yielded to fear, yielded to words of accusation, murder, hate, death. They've come around your soul and life and shut you down. Lord, you need to break the power of those words. You need to cancel those words. You need to rise up and forgive those people. Get that hurt out of your heart. Or maybe... It's been more like the disciples. You've had a lot of sadness and various things have disappointed you and you've just shut down inside and that thing's got control of you. You're no longer the person you used to be because something wounded you. Well, I've got good news. Jesus died and carried our sorrows on the cross. Let's just pray together. I believe this is a, a fresh word. I never read about this anywhere. I felt it's something God just showed to me. And I believe it's spiritually present across our nation and it's affected us as a church, definitely affected me probably for about a decade. I can see it now and I'm after it. And so I'm going to rise up. God will help.